Good morning, Grace Covenant Church. So glad you could all be here today. You ready to worship the Lord? Heavenly Father, you're an awesome and mighty God. Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, who is God with us. Lord, we thank you that you chose to come to earth as a man, Lord, live a, or as a baby, <laughs> to be grown to a man living a perfect life. Lord God, we just thank you that you choose to be God with us. And as we worship you today, Lord, I ask that your presence would fill this place. In Jesus' name, amen. child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping and angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds work just keeping this this is Christ the King Shepherds, God, and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him on the baby's song of Why lies he in such needless
This is Tiffany's son, so he's in town for a little while, so he is singing with us this, this Christmas season, so say hello. <laughs> now, while we're talking about that, uh, not only is Brandon here, but most of Tiffany's family is here today, and so I want to take a minute and just give you some recognition and say thank you so much for all that you do, and I don't know if y'all know this, but I used to set up everything on stage, well, not everything, but all the, all the in-ear monitors and all this kind of stuff every week. And this woman, for the last year or so, has been helping me do all that, and she's really kind of grown on me, and I, I can't help but say that I've, I've kind of fallen in love with this woman. And so right now, I'd like to take a moment and just say, Tiffany, Dawn, will you be my wife? Did say yes, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> yeah, you will. Well, I've already been calling Dad this weekend. So okay, okay, yeah, Brandon will take over if necessary, right? Hey, congratulations! What a wonderful. Now, there's something even bigger to celebrate: coming of Jesus, but this is big too. So, congratulations. Hey, welcome everyone. I'm Steve, the interim pastor here, and welcome to those of you watching live stream as well. So good that we can be together in the, in the presence of God. This Thursday is what? Christmas Eve. Friday's Christmas, and uh, we're coming together at 4 o'clock and 5.30 to celebrate the, the beginning of, of uh, God changing everything, ultimately. And uh, so I, I hope that uh, you and friends and neighbors can join us at either 4 o'clock or uh, 5.30. It's uh, going to be fairly brief, but I think meaningful, family-friendly uh, couple gatherings with the culminating in the candle lighting and uh, kind of one of my favorite ways of, of worship year by year. Um, we are asking that uh, you register uh, through an email that was sent out or on the website and it's not like you have to get a ticket to come in. It's simply that we need to know roughly how many people are coming to make sure that we have space for, for
for those who might come from the community who did not know the, it would help to register. And so please, please, if you're planning on coming, uh, it's a very simple process. Just let us know through that registration. And uh, we, if necessary, we might even ask a few of you to see if you'd be willing to shift over to a different service if we get a little too full. And, and actually, there's a possibility, we'll know this Monday or Tuesday, that we might even add a third service a little bit earlier and, and uh, then open up that for some of you who'd be willing to do that to make room for yet others. But if you forget to register, uh, just come, okay? As we have this great celebration. And on, by the entryway, there's some invitations that you can uh, give to neighbors and friends and just have a reminder for yourself. Hey, a couple of things I want to mention is, and that is we, were, we gave thanks at the early service for Lynn Pott, who has served for several years as uh, the leader of the teams that take care of care and fellowship. And my goodness, she's used her great gifts so well these last few years to mobilize uh, dozens of people for these important ministries. Well, because she's stepped onto the leadership team, she wants to focus there. And so we're really uh, glad that Katie Burdick has agreed to uh, step into that role. Big shoes to fill, but I'm sure she'll do it well. Let's see, Katie, I don't think Katie's here today, is she? But but we're really grateful for uh, her willingness to serve in that really important way. And then one other quick announcement, uh, uh, heads up that on January 11th, we'll have the Lifeline screening here, and there's more information out by the entryway. Hey, before we uh, continue to worship, I want to show you a Christmas card I received this week from some good friends, actually a couple who were members here as newlyweds, Jim and Beth Golden. They're both artists. And this is what they sent. Uh, this is a self-designed uh, card. You, you see the animals at the top, right? Looks like some of you. Not, not that you're animals, but you wear masks. But look at, the, look at the scripture. Neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not even a pandemic, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that true? Amen. Amen. I want to invite uh, Bob and Kathy, if they would, to come and light uh, the four Advent candles and read some scripture. Today we'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And it starts out that the angel Gabriel, angel means messenger, literally just some probably months ahead of this, came and saw Zechariah, whose wife all these years had been barren, and announced to them that they would have a child. This child would be born of an earthly father. The scripture reading today talks about the Christ, who was born of a heavenly father. So let us listen to what is said in the scripture. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
not what I've done I am loved unconditionally I am not loved by the measure of love that I bring I am not who I know I am known by the King of all kings
Lord, we thank you that you chose to be our Savior, Lord, that you chose to be our God, Lord, that you chose to bring us into your family, to graft us into your vine, to make us your sons and your daughters. Lord God, we thank you that you chose to be God who is with us. And Lord, we just thank you that you are always and forever more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Any kids that want to do that? Or for that matter, adults who can pretend like you're actually a worker and you want to get out of here? But let's, uh, let's pray a blessing on, on them before they go, okay? Thank you, Lord, for our children. We ask that this be a time that, uh, where you teach them, where you uh, be shaping them into what you want them to be in your great love. And we thank you for those who work with them, who come alongside as teachers, as guides. Bless them. And, and now as we look into your word, would you... Uh, would you speak to us? We pray in your name, in your presence, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Kids, you have a great time together. And the rest of us, in the Bible, would you find Matthew, Matthew chapter 1? We've been raising a, a question on Sundays in December on how do we name Christmas? How do we see this season? How do we do it? And it's really part of a much more important question of how do we name life? How do we see life? How do we carry out life day by day? And today, I want to look at something pretty basic, and that's how and why did Jesus get the name he got? We, we heard how it happened uh, through his mom, Mary, in Luke's Gospel. And so listen now to what happened with his stepdad, Jesus' stepdad, uh, Joseph. So Matthew 1, uh, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus. Now, I wonder if you're aware how you got the name you have from your parents. Uh, maybe some, maybe do, and some not, but, or you parents, so what, what was going on in your mind when you named your kids? A lot of people, it's just something sounded good. They really liked that name. You know, every year there's uh, some uh, publications that talk about the most popular names in the United States for babies, and so far in 2020, here's the top five girls, girl names, Amelia, Charlotte, Aurora, Violet, and Olivia. Do, do we have any of those at Grace Covenant at all? No, we're, we're just not, we're not the in crowd, or actually we're more original, I don't know. Uh, the boys are Oliver, Liam. I've got a grandson named Liam. Eight years ago he was born when the name wasn't that popular, but he's a trendsetter. So we got Oliver, Liam, Theodore, Ethan, and Aiden. Those are the popular names. Now when my parents were naming the five kids, they seemed to like biblical names. You know, they were Christ followers. And so they came up with this. Here's a, a picture from 1965, I think. 
Uh, yours truly is in the middle. I'm the oldest. Stephen, Mark, James, Peter, and Christine. Now, I don't, I don't know if this is what was going on, but they start out with Stephen. And in the Bible, he's kind of a sub-character, not unimportant, but not, he's, he's in it just for a little tiny bit in the book of Acts. And then, of course, he gets, he gets stoned to death. So um, I never wanted to live up to him, really, in, in that respect. And, and then, then comes Mark, the next son. And, and Mark, you know, he, he's a step up. He writes a gospel. But he's also a flaky missionary assistant that, uh, that uh, fails uh, his job early on. Well, well then things kind of step up. We get into the two great leaders, James and Peter, you know, right there at the core of the leadership within the early body of Christ. So we have these four boys, and then eight years after little brother Peter was born comes a surprise. My mom, after surviving, I don't know how, by the grace of God, surviving four boys born within six years, that took courage, and she gets pregnant. Apparently, she told a friend that um, if, surely, if God did this to me, he would not give me another boy. And uh, Christine is born, a little precious little girl who's, she's, she's uh, the favorite kid, of course. And uh, well, her name, you've got these biblical names. It all culminates in the female version of Christ, you know, Christine. And I think it's like a little parable on how you experiment with the first few born till you finally get it right. Isn't that the way it sometimes works? Uh, well, what about this name, Jesus? Uh, literally, well, in the Greek New Testament, it's uh, Jesus. It's from the Hebrew Yeshua, which is uh, a shortened version of Yehoshua, which is Joshua. And uh, by the way, when we talk about Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. We're aware of that, right? It's not a name, it's a title. In fact, I think, Bob, you kind of mentioned this in your comments. It's, uh, uh, Christ comes from the Greek Christos, which comes from the Hebrew Messiah, which means the anointed one, which means the king. And so it's a title, not a name. And so it's Jesus the king, or and it, we really should say Jesus the Christ, or Christ Jesus, King Jesus. Uh, the full name for Jesus really would have been Yeshua bar Yosef, the son of Joseph, his legally uh, adopting dad. And so we would say in English, Jesus Josephson, or something like that. But this name, Yeshua, back then it was an extremely common name. Uh, extremely common name. Uh, lots of people were named that after the great uh, warrior leader Joshua in the Old Testament. And uh, so you can see in all kinds of historical records, including the New Testament, lots of people named Yeshua, named Jesus. For example, in uh, his letter to the Colossians, Paul mentions some guy, we don't know anything about him, but his name is Jesus, also called Justice. Uh, we also uh, know of a guy named Barabbas. You know this infamous person? You know, he's the thief or the, the criminal who was allowed to be freed by Pontius Pilate in, instead of uh, Jesus being freed. Uh, well, do you know what his full name was, Barabbas' full name? It was Yeshua. It was Jesus. Yeshua Barabbas, son of Abbas. And this is one reason there were so many uh, Yeshuas around 
that uh, you often hear Jesus being called Jesus of Nazareth, that one, uh, or, or uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph, uh, and uh, so on. So it's a common name, but here's where the name is anything but common. And that's that, where does he get his name? He's named by God. It's not just that Mary thought, oh, I really liked Yeshua. I've always wanted to have a little boy named Yeshua. No, Jesus, uh, God is the one who says, you're going to name the kid uh, Yeshua. And not only is uh, the baby named by God through the angel sent to Mary, then to Joseph, but Jesus actually gets named after God himself. Because the, the name Yeshua literally means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. And the angel says how this name will, will, will fit uh, what he's about to do. He will save his people from their sins. Now, here's why I want to look at what this famous name means and kind of let it sink in. I think there's a problem for a lot of people, maybe some of us, certainly for me, where the name Jesus, we just hear it so much, we get so used to hearing it, and we hear a thing like salvation, and we, we, we kind of think, well, I think I know what that is. So we hardly even think about it. And, and, and we just kind of let it slide. And, and we don't really let it continually, in fresh ways, sink in as to the power of this, of this name and what the name means. A few years ago, uh, my son took me to a Bronco game. And this was post Peyton Manning years, okay? So the Broncos lost, and as, as we're uh, kind of shuffling our way through the massive crowd to our car, we see a guy, God bless him, he's, he's out there with a bullhorn preaching, and he's got an enormous sign that says, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Now, I, I respect him, but I, I don't know how much fruit there was. All I know is that he was getting ridiculed, and so one guy right behind us just said, hey, Tell Jesus to save the Broncos. Well, that got the crowd going. Hey, tell Jesus to save the defense. Tell Jesus to save the quarterback. You know, it kind of went on like that. And, you know, it was, it was sad. Uh, when I got home, though, I got to thinking, and maybe this is a conviction from the Holy Spirit. Well, I wonder if I don't sometimes act as if Jesus is just a resource. He's... Maybe somebody who can save the Broncos. Maybe a resource for what I want for my life that I'm in control of. And it's really handy that I've got this savior out there that can kind of step in when I call on him. Well, out of his grace, he does help us to be sure. But you see what, what's going on there? Kind of narrowed this amazing Lord and savior down to something as small as my little life and what I think I need, what I want, and what I manage, what I'm in control of. And I think it's really important that again and again we see how big, how deep this, this Jesus, this saving actually is. And, and so I'm reminding myself, I want to remind you of that. So let, let's look, look at this name and see what's, and especially who's behind it. Yeshua, the Lord is salvation. Um, 
Here's the derivation, uh, the Lord of salvation. Yeah is short for Yahweh. The Shua means salvation, but, but uh, Yahweh. And it's a name of God that you find uh, throughout uh, Scripture. Um, it all goes back to um, Moses, where he gets this revelation, and, and uh, he's told the name of God uh, is Yahweh. And, and by the way, by the way, this is a name. It's not a, just a title. Uh, in fact, just a little side note, in your English translations of the Bible, almost all translations, when you see LORD in all caps, L-O-R-D, this is actually a translation of this name, Yahweh. I'm not really sure why translators don't just sort of put that in there. When you see lowercase, like capital L, lowercase O-R-D, that means the, the title, the, the function of being master, being in charge and so on. And you, you see it both ways. Um, I, there's a couple of Psalms that have both in there. Yahweh is Lord. And so it reads, the Lord is Lord <laughs> in, in some of your translations. But it goes back to Moses. And maybe you know this story. He's a shepherd. He's, he's coming outcast. He's way out in the wilderness. And he finds this burning bush. And then he hears a voice. And the voice says, I am God the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have seen my people's misery as slaves in Egypt. I've come to rescue, and I'm sending you to do it. Well, Moses is a wee bit uncomfortable with that. In fact, he's terrified. He feels totally inadequate. He hasn't even been with those people for 40 years. And so what he fires back with uh, he's, uh, all these protesting questions for God. It's an interesting dialogue in the book of Exodus. But he says, well, what should I tell them? What God is it that said this? Because then in ancient Egypt, you got to understand there, were, there are thousands of gods. Which God is this? What name do you have amongst all the different gods? And the famous answer from God through the burning bushes, I am who I am. I am who I am. Now, on the one hand, it's kind of saying God's beyond definition. God's beyond our comprehension. He just simply is. He's pure being beyond our comprehension. And yet at the very same time, this God is beyond our comprehension. We ourselves cannot apprehend him he makes himself known so specifically that he actually gives a name. Yahweh, which, which means I, comes from the phrase, I am who I am. And God goes on to say, tell them that I am sent you. Tell the people in Egypt, I am sent you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he says, this, this is my name forever for all generations. A name, by the way, embedded in the name Yeshua. The other part of the name, Yah, short version of Yahweh, is the heart of Yahweh's essence, which is his holy love. The little term Shua, which means salvation. And uh, Interesting little term, especially in the richness of uh, the Old Testament uh, uh, Hebrew. It, it has the connotation of making something wide, making it opulent, uh, opening it up, filling it up, 
uh, liberating uh, whatever from any restrictions and, and uh, giving a vast freedom for life, particularly life with God. Uh, liberation from the constriction of, of sin, which is utterly focused on self, and of course death, and then this freedom for life with God. And, and so the name of, of Jesus, Yeshua, is, is God is, I'm going to bust up all the constrictions of sin and death and give you liberation for life. I mean, that's a long way of putting it. But see, the Lord, whom this is, is this amazing salvation, which is not merely a little bit of help now and then. It's not merely, oh yeah, I got a gift card that includes a ticket to heaven someday. It includes all that, but it's so much more. It's the very presence of this amazing God who loves us more than we can begin to imagine with the power that created the universe. So that's the name given to this little baby, Yeshua, the Lord, the Lord is this amazing salvation. Uh, Well, Jesus lives up to the name, obviously, after growing up in the little village of Nazareth, uh, you know, the uh, Mary and Joe's boy. Uh, Well, he gets baptized, he starts roaming um, Israel as a kind of rabbi, a kind of prophet. And at first he's extremely popular for his amazing wisdom and for his um, miraculous compassionate healings. But then things start to turn when Jesus more and more begins to make um, these outrageous, even subversive kinds of claims. He says, for example, um, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. And people say, whoa, say again, what? We, all, we like the nice stuff you're giving us here, but you dare to say that your life itself? And it all culminates in a dialogue that Jesus is having with some religious leaders. And they're talking about Abraham, uh, the patriarch of the Jews. And Jesus is making all these claims uh, about who he is. And uh, the religious leaders say, Who do you think you are that you can say what you're saying about Abraham? And this is where he dares to say, before Abraham was, I am. Well, this was too much for the Jewish leaders. I mean, they knew their Bibles. They knew that there's only one God and um, who says, you shall not make any image of me. And here's the guy who says, I'm the image. If you've seen me, you've seen God, you've seen the Father. They're outraged, the people listening. You know, I've always used to wonder about a little scene in the Gospel of John where Jesus, the night before his death, goes to the garden, he's praying, and uh, his uh, traitor. Disciple Judas leads, leads a mob into the garden. It's, uh, it's essentially, it's important to know this, they're Jewish soldiers. They're not the Roman soldiers, but Jewish soldiers from the temple and a bunch of temple leaders. And they come to the garden looking for Jesus to arrest him. And uh, Jesus says, well, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth, this Yeshua. 
And in the Gospel of John, he responds, I am he. But you know what it literally says? Not I am he. The response is, I am. I am. And I think that explains why these armed soldiers fall back on the ground in terror. Jesus wasn't resisting them. He was just an ordinary human being at this point, but the very claim, something about that spooked them, terrified them. Well, he lets them arrest them, and he's led into a couple, three courtrooms, and there's the trial, and it's no surprise that he's condemned as a blasphemer, actually claiming to be nothing less than Yahweh in the flesh and condemned even as a threat to the occupying mighty Roman Empire because he's saying he's Lord, implying, and Caesar is not. Let's go back to Joseph. Mary's story. Um, can Can you imagine your fiance comes up and says, well, the Holy Spirit made me pregnant. I mean, how are you going to react to that? Can you imagine how heartbroken he was? Can you imagine how outraged he was? My fiance, whom I love, is insane. She's a liar and she's a blasphemer. But then God breaks in and says, no, what she said is true. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she's having this baby who will be nothing less than the savior of the world. And and, uh, Joseph didn't have to. But he chose to believe. He chose to entrust himself uh, to what God was saying. And so it says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Now, that was not going to be easy for him. I mean, can you imagine Joseph? I, I, I am supposed to raise the Messiah. And, and it means he's going to be misunderstood. He's going to be, people think he's crazy, he's immoral, he's a heretic. And it means he's going to be threatened. I mean, shortly after Jesus is born, he's got to be, he gets a warning from an angel and he has to literally run for his life with his 